Hello, this is Andrew Holding at ThinkCon, and I'm joined today by Hayley Stevens, a ghost hunter. How did you get into ghost hunting? It all started with Most Haunted, so Yvette's, Yvette filming on TV, screaming at the camera. Um, I used to watch that when I was a teenager, and then it was kind of rocked by scandal, and it was suggested it was faked, and I was like, oh my god, that can't be, because I used to believe in ghosts, and that's what I used to base my belief on. That, that kind of proved to me that it was all real. So when that happened, I turned my back on Most Haunted and I went out and started ghost hunting for myself in, in haunted buildings with my friends. So you started very much wanting to prove that ghosts actually existed and you sort of wanted to prove that your beliefs were true and that TV was just a horrible sham. Yeah, t- I, I believed in ghosts anyway, but it was, it was Most Haunted and their evidence, if you can call it that, that kind of proved to me that it was all real and it was like that, that was my... The, the hope that I had that kind of shouldered me through all the, the scepticism and the criticism. And then when that kind of rock of hope was taken away, I was like, I have to go out and find the proof for myself. So what actually um, happened that made you stop believing in ghosts? Well, we were investigating, it was 2007, um, and we were investigating a haunted pub. They, they claimed to have all this activity happening, things moving, things being seen and heard, and it was just ama- it was an amazing case. Um, and we went in and we investigated, and whilst we were there, um, the, the room below where the investigators were uh, was like a storeroom, and there was the sound of smashing glass from within the room, and uh, some of the team members went down, they were looking for the glass to see what had happened, and one of them happened to turn the torch, because um, the room was pitch black, they turned the torch and saw the landlord of the pub hiding behind the door and he'd thrown the glass across the room uh, to try and trick us all into thinking it was haunted and that kind of made me question what else I had just blindly accepted and I started looking back and, and picking holes in what we'd done previously and I started researching more online about the ways in which you can fool yourself and be fooled um, and the methods we were using, such as table tipping, glass divination, and Ouija boards and stuff, that, that can be heavily, heavily influenced by people. And so I, I kind of found all that out. And then like on the next few ghost hunts we did, I watched the glass divination sessions, and I just had this new kind of skepticism about it, and I, I realised that we were just completely barking at the wrong tree, and it just went from there, really. So it was a sudden change for you. It wasn't something that gradually happened. It's only at a certain point you started to go out and look out for something different. It, it was kind of gradual. I mean, even though I had these doubts, I still wanted to believe because I believed for so long. And, and when you believe in something like that, you have all these hopes that you're going to see your dead relatives again at some point and, um, and that there's more to life than, and, than just this. So, you, you know, when you die, there's more... Um, so it was it was quite difficult to just completely turn my back, and it did take quite some time. Um, but yeah, I mean, once I realised I was wrong, I com- I just turned my back on those ideas. Um, but yeah, it was kind of gradual, but it was it was also quite quick. So one thing you said is obviously for you there was an emotional attachment, which varies for a lot of people. This idea of um, seeing your relatives again, some, something that y- you know you don't want to let go of because it's quite important to you. But for the people who are smashing glass in rooms, w- why would they want to do it? Well, I mean, having a haunted building um, nowadays is quite profitable. Uh, lots of ghost hunting teams get charged a lot of money to go into these venues and ghost hunt. So from hundreds of pounds up to thousands, you know, some, some of them are just like 20 quid for the night. But you can make money from being haunted. And, and this guy that had thrown the glass... Um, he, he, came, he openly said that he wanted to be on Most Haunted. 
he wanted to be investigated by them. And you often find that the venues that are on Most Haunted, um, if you want to go in and do a ghost hunt, you have to pay a lot of money. So it is quite profitable. Uh, and that, w- that was his motive. So do you think these people who are doing it are in any way believing what's going on? Are they trying to back up their claims? Or do you think it is just all money? Mm. Well, I mean, it's not all money in all cases. Some people just just hate, like tricking people. They're just horrible people. Um, but I mean, there was a case at another pub in Wiltshire um, that was kind of labelled as the most haunted pub. Um, the landlady, they, they went on most haunted, uh, and the landlady... Um, was terrified of living there and we went in to do a, a ghost hunt and she admitted to us, you know, in the beginning we, we just played on the story that, that's here and we, we kind of built it up to make money but now real stuff is happening um, and, and it's really, really quite scary. Um, so, yeah, in, it's, it's difficult. It's, I think you have to judge it by a case-by-case basis, really. So, I mean, okay, so ghost stories, haunted houses, all these things, they all sound, in some ways, quite a lot of fun, but you think there's something more sinister about it and they can have a bigger impact? Yeah, I mean, mostly ghost hunting is harmless. It's just, you know, people, they are wrong, they're, they're being irrational, but they're, they're, mo- they're not really doing too much damage, you know, they're just fooling themselves and having fun. But there is also this dark side of ghost hunting where people are harmed. Um, I mean, uh, in, in my talk I spoke of people who've been killed in the US when, I mean, some people have been shot for trespassing whilst looking for ghosts. Others have fallen off of buildings they were trying to get into to go on ghost hunts. Um, and, and also people kind of approach families who are, who are grieving and they claim they've contacted um, ghosts of dead children that still haven't been found and um, they, they, f- it's, they feel that they're doing the right thing but they're actually having an emotional and, and a, um, an ethical impact on the families and, and there is that side to it and, and also, um, you know, it's just, that <laughs> it's really, it sounds really weird but there, there is like, there's a huge paranormal community within the UK, there's also, you know, in the US too but I've got experience with the UK community and there is a lot of infighting and a lot of politics involved um, and lots of people fall out and there's like territory wars and, and things like that um, and these ghost hunters, they, they've all kind of got the same goals but they, they can have these unethical impacts on people they're working with and they don't always consider um, the people they're coming into contact with, um, so the homeowners, the business owners, the people that have to work in the haunted pubs after they've gone um, and it's not necessarily they're doing it, um, they're causing these problems purposefully. They don't, they're just not aware of it. Um, so I think there is this neg- negative side to ghost hunting, but I think a lot could be done to educate people about the impact they're having. And one thing you just mentioned was this idea of people saying, I've talked to the dead, and that happened with uh, McCann, Madeline McCann, mm-hmm. and all that. And that seems quite different to me. People who believe they're talking to dead people and trying to give that information to the police or give it to the parents of a child, which can have much... M- can have a very personal impact on people rather than the sort of more general uh, scaring people with ghosts. Yeah, it really can. I mean, another example I used was Keith um, Bennett, um, who was killed by Mario Hindley and Ian Brady and ghost hunters going up onto the moors and speaking to what they say is the ghost of Keith Bennett and then going back to the Bennett family, who are still all this time later searching for his remains and, and telling them they've spoken to his ghost. They fi- I think they think they're helping, but there is such a negative impact on that family who, who is still looking for closure and, you know, just want... They're probably not really able to grieve because they don't know if, you know, where that child is. With Madeline McCann, they don't know if she's alive or if she's dead. So to have someone saying, 
we've spoken to your, your child um, through a psychic or through a Ouija board. That, that must just be really devastating, I think. And of course, it's not just people who have been in newspapers, there's the people who don't get to the newspaper effects. No, totally. It, you know, all through the different levels of, of missing children and missing people. And yeah, it, it, it's there. And I, I think people aren't really aware of that side of ghost hunting. Well, thank you for talking to me. If people want to find out more about you, do you have a website or something? I do. Um, you can find me at ghostgeek.co.uk and I'm Haley Stevens on Twitter. Thank you.